Well, hey there. I'm so glad you made it. Today in Gritty Mystic, we're talking about the myth of wellness and what it is we're actually yearning for. So come on, let's get a cup of something good and do this. Welcome to Gritty Mystic, the podcast for the daring and ready to awaken the power to master and direct your life, or as I like to call it, becoming fucking unstoppable. I'm your host, Tracy King, intuitive channel and transformational teacher, here to connect you with tips, tools, and techniques to step into your power as the most authentic you. Let's get into it. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to season three of Gritty Mystic. Two years ago, we kicked off this journey together, and I'm so excited for what's yet to come. Today, I want to dip into a theme that's been on my mind that I expect will weave its way throughout conversations this year, and that's challenging what we mean by wellness and what it actually takes to achieve well-being. When I say wellness and when someone else says wellness, chances are we don't quite mean the same thing. Wellness as a concept has come a long way since the term was coined in the 1950s. It's no longer about generally healthy habits and mitigating illness. It's now a complete lifestyle. It's a striving toward an ideal, but who defines what that ideal is and who's really benefiting from the striving? Wellness has become a consumer product, a pursuit of the optimized self through consumption, doubling down on the types of externalized, obsessive, even competitive individualism that capitalism eats for breakfast. The wellness industry represents a $4.5 trillion market worldwide that's expected to grow to $6.5 trillion by 2030. It's evolved from health to trendy diets, sexy activewear, fitness products, fad workouts, massive cultural appropriation, wellness tourism, and overall really problematic marketing, both creating issues and then claiming to solve them. I mean, really harmful fat phobia, ableism, and something to trigger every form of toxic perfectionism. Maybe I'm particularly sensitive because come January, health and wellness ads are doing double time. (laughs) I mean, come on. This morning, I just saw an ad in my feed for vag facials. Vag facials. (laughs) We need vag facials now? Good God. The wellness industry umbrella has expanded way beyond organic foods, nutrition, and weight loss. And in fact, personal care and beauty products outpace the healthy eating component of this $4.5 trillion market. There's workplace wellness, wellness real estate, mental wellness, the spa economy, as well as complementary medicine, which veers into energy medicine, mindfulness apps, all of the things that we invest in to fill the not enough hole in the middle of our being. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be well, but when wellness efforts are rooted in consumption, it's time for some self-reflection. Are all of these things actually contributing to my wellness, or are they distracting me from what I'm actually yearning for? I think that there are really valuable modalities, products, and approaches that are earnestly seeking to optimize health. I'm not discounting that that exists, but the commoditization of self-care is definitely not what I mean when I'm talking about wellness. So how do we distinguish the commercialization of health and well-being from the true personal transformation that expands one's multidimensional journey of healing and being? Because that's what I'm talking about, not photo op wellness and tagging products and spas. It's about a shift in who we are being and what's emerging in us as we forge a greater connection with our truest self. 
So when we reflect upon the concept of wellness that is marketed to us, buying stuff and doing things that are externally focused when true wellness begins as an inside job, everything we are, experience, become, flows from who we are being, when we reflect on that contrast, an opportunity for refined choice making comes into focus. But there's something else that doesn't sit well with me around the striving and spending and status that's now associated with the wellness industry, and it's the privilege of participation that's also paired with pathologizing anyone who can't achieve that Instagram-worthy wellness. There is a divisive, supremacy-laced thread running through commercial wellness. Who gets to be well and who doesn't? The gap right there is driven by proximity to power and privilege. Because if we could choose wellness, if we could choose to be well, wouldn't we all? (laughs) I mean, hell yeah. I picked up a book last October called American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal by Carrie Kelly. It's a provocative book that generates more questions than it answers, which is kind of annoying, but I do appreciate the consciousness-raising practice of living into the answers. But Kelly lays bare the underpinnings of the wellness industry in white supremacy, the myth of normalcy, addiction to perfectionism, the exploitation of labor and our planet, and perpetuating inequity. Yep, those are some big-ass heavy topics. So let's dial it into this moment. These themes that she's talking about reveal wounds that we need to see, feel, and heal together. These wounds prop up belief structures around separatism and self-preservation, which perpetuate the wounding. Kelly points out, the wellness industry sells us isolation and escapism. It dangles the false promise of perfection and purity, and we're just left more alone, more dissatisfied, and more isolated than ever. Fixating on self-help, self-seeking, self-everything keeps us fending for ourselves, neglecting the suffering of our friends and neighbors, and denying our humanity. She continues, Well-being is a human right not a privilege, and my well-being is not isolated or separate from yours. That means that true wellness demands that we confront everything that's in the way of our collective well-being. Mm, True wellness isn't about me. It's about we. It's interdependent. Or in other words, can I truly achieve wellness while others are excluded from it? Did you just feel the tilt in your whole perspective right there. I mean, sit with that. As wellness has become consumerized, by its very nature, it's become a privilege that some people with wealth and time can access. Too bad, so sad for everybody else. Buy your way to well-being. But the fundamental problem with that is that true wellness requires weeness. Even the word wellness starts with we. I mean, come on, the clue's right there. (laughs) So how do we navigate the shift from independence, separatism, to interdependent? What would it require for us to remove the barriers to collective wellness? In what ways will we commit to confronting the myth of separation that feeds our fears and fuels striving in order to get our piece of the pie? In what ways will we realize our essential wholeness That it's our responsibility to heal not only our personal traumas, but our collective traumas too. Because when trauma is not transformed, it's transferred. 
How can we see wellness with fresh eyes that self-care is integrally connected to collective care? How can we together close the wellness gap? Well, I've got a lot of questions (laughs) and I'm not going to be able to answer them all today. What I do want to talk about is that This suggests something for our personal, practical, spiritual journey. If we embrace the truth that we are one, that we belong to each other, that our well-being is connected, what does that indicate for the journey to wholeness? Because ultimately, I think that's what we're yearning for, a return to our whole self, remembering who we really are. The you are broken and not enough narratives that perpetuate this massive wellness industry actually prey upon our desire to connect with our inherent worthiness. So how do we do that? How about we talk some more about what that looks like and take this to the table? Oh boy, do we have stories about how we're not enough. Heaps heaps of them. (laughs) They fuel our shame spirals. They trigger our addictions. They fracture our sense of worthiness, which in turn makes us question our very belonging. There are lots of reasons why that trigger develops. And it turns out it's an easy pain point to push when marketing a product. Be aware of that. But friend, not enoughness, that's an illusion. When you connect with the truth of who you are, Your worthiness is. It's fact. Being well, well, it has to do with who you're being. (laughs) Several episodes back, I introduced the iceberg metaphor to describe the series of awakenings that we encounter in the journey to wholeness and what they open way for in us. When people talk about awakening, they're, they're usually referring to the first awakening when we realize that we're more that beliefs and institutions we've invested our lives in are not telling us the whole truth, that fear-based religion is bullshit, that we're more powerful than we ever realized. This is when we cocoon into some deep healing. The conscious part of our identity truly meets and melts with the unconscious under the ocean part of who we are, where we can heal trauma wounds, address triggers, explore our complexities, and love every single part of ourselves. But as we're doing this work, to integrate the above the water and beneath the water parts of our iceberg, a door is kicked open to the second awakening. You're not just the iceberg, you're the entire ocean as well. This realization invites us to allow something new to emerge in our experience, and that's our soul self perspective. That higher self part of us that we sometimes call our angels, guides, wise ones, yeah, yeah, that. That's you too. And it's not something far away out there that you have to strive to connect to. It's right here. It's right now. It's part of you. It's you. And as you integrate that knowing and begin embodying your soul self, more becomes possible. You experience greater ease. Your gifts become more profound and what you want to create shifts because your entire perspective on why you're here shifts. And that opens way for the next awakening which is being. This level of awakening calls us to be our expansive selves, to live from our expansive point of view, not just accessing our soul self, but being it. Everything flows from who we are being. So imagine, imagine what's possible when you are being 
the multidimensional you in this now moment from this incarnated perspective. You're not just the iceberg in the ocean, you're the cosmos and everything in it. And that perspective shifts from integrating our essential self to allowing our soul self to emerging now and understanding of coherence or a transcendence that is within our reach. You can't help but widen your perspective from me to we. Now, P.S., I don't prefer the word transcendence because there's a lot of escapism baggage attached to that word right now, but that is what people have called this experience. I'm talking about transcendence in the way that Maslow talked about it when he revised the hierarchy of needs in 1971, replacing self-actualization with transcendence. Not an escape, not a superior perfected state, but rising above the constraints of ego, above self-concern, to realizing the true nature of being is inclusive. He wasn't talking about 5D yeeting out of here. He was talking about transcending the separatist view of self and self-concern that's been framing our way of being when we realize that we are indeed collective and how that shapes our behavior with each other, with nature, extending all the way to the cosmos and all that is. That's the end game of spiritual alchemy too. First, we awaken to the essential self, then to the soul self, then to the transcendent, coherent self, which is really plural, the shift from me to we. It's the alchemy of align, allow, and be. We are wired for connection, for belonging. That is fact. We are who we are because of each other. We come here choosing to forget who we are so that we can remember who we are, which is all that is. The individualist striving within wellness consumerism will prevent you from achieving that breakthrough because it's at the expense of other instead of being the rising tide that lifts all boats. Individualism is an obstacle. That separatist, exceptional self mentality tells us that we can heal ourselves by ourselves when in truth, becoming is a we thing, not a me thing. This is why I introduce you to people here on the Gritty Mystic Podcast who are holding space for healing and becoming, for connecting to that weeness. This is why I've undergone rigorous training as a transformational trauma-informed coach so that I can facilitate as your spiritual partner the emergence of your soul self into your now experience. And this is why I'm kicking off the Gritty Mystic community this month so that we can do life together, so we can align, allow, and be in community, so we can become all that we intended and radically shift the collective experience in our lifetimes. Are you in? Are you with me? Are you tired of trying to go it all alone? Because then, baby, let's do this. <laughs> oh, lovely. You are not broken, babe. You're becoming. I love you. I am here for you. This is our moment. So hop on over to the Gritty Mystic website to join the community, to invite me to your conscious evolution, to tell me what's going on with you, where your leading edge is, and let's fucking do this. So what do you think? Are you ready to align, allow, and be? Leave your thoughts, insights, and questions in the comments to join our conversation. And as you know, (laughs) there's more gritty goodness to come. So grab a friend and bring them next time. Until then. Thanks for joining us today on Gritty Mystic. You can find me and show notes for this episode at grittymystic.com slash episodes. 
And thank you so much for following, rating, and reviewing our show. It helps us reach others like us and grow the Gritty Mystic community. Take care, friend. See you next time.